Rainbow Trout disappear now. He was right behind us. Shh. Sorry, sorry. He's missing the tour. I'm sure he'll turn up eventually. He's probably doing reconnaissance. Yeah, you're right. He's probably going to get us thrown out. I'm learning quite a lot on this tour, actually. Oh, are you? Yeah. Did you know they have a cup of tea on display that's still piping hot? I did not. Go on. It's the last remnant of the ancient British Empire. They say they've created an Earl Grey tea that remains hot until someone drinks from the cup. Once the tea is gone, says the plaque, so too is the once mighty empire. Wow. Can you imagine hundreds of years of wars and treaties, conquests and relinquishments, millions of lives lived? It all boils down to a single cup of tea. Mm Mm-hmm. It just so happens... I may have a surrender about you'd be interested in. We've got a portable reader. Should we put in some earbuds and listen, pretending we're on an audio tour? That sounds like a brilliant idea. Oh, I see Rambo Trout. He's in the British section over there. Oh, drinking from a teacup. Oh my god, Particle. And there goes an empire. And that's how you can use a spider carcass to replace that claw in your favorite kid's arcade game. I never liked the claw game. I was always more of a game of chance guy. Craps is where I wasted my money growing up, you know. That's not an arcade game or a kid's game. What happened in your childhood? And we're back. Broadcasting from our studio on the pale blue dot we call Earth, we got a great short for you today. That's right, Charlie. We hope you're wearing fancy pants and have built up a thirst today. We're talking tea. Yeah, yeah, bully. Now, Lin Yutang, Chinese inventor and novelist, once said, There is something in the nature of tea that leads us into a world of quiet contemplation of life. I like that quote. Mm-hmm. The Yutang clan. Or is it? There it is. Well, I guess like the artist would be the Wu-Tang clan. That, that's different. But they'd also drink tea. Indeed. <laughs> Gin and juice, tea mm-hmm. and... I don't know. (laughs) Tea may be defined as the dried leaves and leaf buds of a shrub widely grown in eastern and southern Asia. It may also refer to the actual drink that is made by soaking these leaves in boiling water. And in the south, the good old Georgia area, Tennessee, Florida, you know, we have sweet tea, a reverent drink of defiance and diabetes. We also have unsweet tea, which is liquid that you just pour down the sink. You, yeah, okay, I was about to say, you shut your dirty mouth. Okay, that's a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't see, like, your haunches going up, going like, <laughs> what's he about to say? <laughs> Don't mess with my sweet tea. The first form of the word tea in English came from the direct pronunciation of the Cantonese form of the word, passed from the Portuguese, which was cha in English. So the actual first word was cha, not tea. Uh, Tea, that pronunciation, came later from the Dutch and is the Min Chinese pronunciation. Oh, obviously. Cha or chai, meaning spiced tea, came from a northern Chinese pronunciation. That's pretty interesting. Now, 
The tea plant itself is an evergreen shrub. If left alone, the plant will grow over 50 feet tall. We That's can't, a tall tree. Yeah, we can't let that happen. Farm cultivated plants are trimmed to waist height for ease of harvesting. The shorter plants also bear shoots more often. It takes between 4 to 12 years, depending on the variety, for a tea plant to produce seeds. That's a long time for a plant to actually, like, mm-hmm. propagate. I mean, that's similar with, like, a lot of things that take, you know, an awful lot of time, like making whiskey, right? Yeah, you have to yeah. sh- essentially buy the product from somewhere else up until your plant or, you know, spirit, like, gets to maturity, right? But if you really wanted to start a tea company completely from scratch, mm-hmm. you would not turn a profit for at least four years. Yeah. Upwards of 12 years. Yeah. Possibly 12. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, you get better chances in the crypto market. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, this, this is our platform. And then we got to talk about... Anyway. You preach your crypto somewhere else. <laughs> I, I like crypto and unsweet tea. You get out. You get out right now. <laughs> now, the tea plant also needs at least 50 inches of rain per year to grow. So it, drinks a, lot of rain. it drinks a lot of water. Um, it's also, uh, as far as uh, this drink is concerned, um, tea is the second most drunk drink in the world. Did you know that? You're drunk. Did you, say no. that, did you say that right? Yeah. Drunk drink? Okay. Yeah, this drink is the second most drunk drink <laughs> in the world. Most teas, if not all, have a large amount of caffeine, which causes a stimulant effect in humans. Now, Charlie, do you know how caffeine works? Of course I do, but let's explain it to the audience. Okay, that sounds like you really know. I think we've talked about this before, but it's basically uh, it gums up or, or bonds, binds with... Um, the adenosine receptors? Adenosine, yeah. yeah. Well, not the adenosine receptors, the adenosine itself. The, yeah, the adenosine itself. So it is able to nullify its effects at the end target receptor. Right. Yeah. And adenosine in medicine is a drug that is a life-saving drug uh, that basically stops your heart. <laughs> so free-floating adenosine <laughs> in your bloodstream makes you feel tired. Do we need to backtrack to life-saving <laughs> drug that stops your heart? Well, I mean, I guess we should explain further. That's <laughs> no, fine. It stops your heart to reset it, kind of like a chemical uh, defibrillation. Yeah. So that's a good way to put it. Now, the earliest known drinking of tea comes from a medical text around 200 BC. It is very likely that the plant itself was eaten for an extensive amount of time before it was ever turned into a beverage, possibly for thousands of years. No one thought to steep this in hot water. <laughs> I'll chew my tea. Thank you very much. Granted, how many things do you think people have steeped in hot water thinking like, oh, we might get something out of it, and then you don't. So, Well, I mean, they didn't have drinking vessels probably able to withstand fire. I mean, the ancient Egyptians had the amphora. (laughs) Well, I'm talking about like, like before recorded history. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess, well, I guess ancient ancient Egypt is not, they had pottery. Not modern day Egypt. Yeah. Okay. So you never know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Um, and it was likely turned into a medical drink first. Before it was actually used for just normal consumption. The drink wasn't introduced to Europe until it was brought by the Portuguese priests and merchants around the 1500s. So you ever hear of the Dutch East India Company? Yeah, they're in all the bad TV shows about old America and the colonies (laughs) and the British. (laughs) East India Company. Those British. (laughs) They were responsible for most of the introduction of tea to the Netherlands, Germany, and France. And tea became popular with the English, jolly old England, in in the 1600s. Among the wealthy, to start, they began planting tea plants in India, where they still held quite a bit of land from the 
British Empire. Can you believe it took 100 years, at least from the time that the Portuguese delivered the tea to Europe to that it actually got to England? Yeah, I, th- I thought like England would have been the one of the first countries to drink tea, but apparently not. Mm-hmm. Uh, tea smuggling, because of the East India Company and other things, allowed tea to become popular among the masses in the 1700s until the British government decided, ironically, and we'll find out why, to stop taxing tea, at which point it was no longer smuggled and well, that's just good. given to the masses. Oh, I hope there's no other kind of like crazy effect. From <laughs> there's the... definitely no weird outcome that we'll see from this. <laughs> Taxation of tea, right? <laughs> the tea plant itself is Camellia sinensis. Green, white, yellow, dark, and black tea, all made from this very plant. The processing of the plant, along with slightly different varieties, are what causes the color changes and taste differences. Did you know that? You're a tea guy, right? You drink a lot of tea. So I used to work at Tivana. Oh. You don't know that? No. I thought you worked. Now you know. I was thinking Starbucks, which is, I mean, it's the same thing. Well, I mean, it was bought out by Starbucks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was all cash buyout, too. Well, did you know that, Mr. Tivana? Yeah. Well, because we were taught that. (laughs) Like, no, we had these large booklets that we had to memorize different types of things about tea. Like there was the Japanese Yokoro Imperial tea, which was a green tea. It's very earthy. It's very Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. There's uh, the Maharaja Oolong, which was always great. Uh, Youthberry Wild Orange Blossom. See, I remember a lot of stuff. (laughs) I don't remember calculus, but I remember all of these freaking teas. (laughs) Dare I go on? Probably not. (laughs) No, you should stop. Okay. Well, I, I did. I had no idea. I thought that each different kind of tea was like just a different tea plant, mm-hmm. but interesting. Uh, there are different strains, and then each strain um, molded together basically creates like a certain chimera. And every tea, including the chimeras, have different steeping times, different temperatures in which the water needs to be um, Why set Why did at. I write this episode? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I should probably have put in a couple of notes myself. It's like, you were to T-Vana? You were a resident expert? I was. Uh, I don't want to say expert. I would say I worked there. <laughs> what sounds like you remember a lot. Yeah. Well, we had to because we said the exact same shtick to everybody who came in. Buying these $300 Breville teapots, which they didn't need. $300 for a teapot? Oh, maybe like a hyperbolized, but it was like over like 100 150 oh, bucks. And then some people came in buying multiple ones too. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Oh, along with the um, iron tea sets, um, like the, the fancy ones, mm-hmm. um, or the ones that were made out of um, uh, like either like clay or porcelain. So like those tea sets would actually chip an awful lot. Right. Um, so they weren't used um, very often, uh, but like we'd always have to cycle them out on the display because for whatever reason, they would keep getting chipped out oh, on yeah. the display. People had to mess with them. Yeah. Like people would take it, you know, off like the displays, like, oh, this is nice. And then like the handle would come off. We'd be like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, that's the traditional Chinese way of drinking tea is through, is in uh, a clay pot. I don't think I put that in here, but now mm-hmm. we have it. So, did you hear about like the reason why like uh, people used iron pots? Oh, no. Yeah. So, in order to get more iron in your diet, uh, okay. yeah. It's um, <clears throat> not a bad way to do it. I mean, yeah. And then the iron infused hot water was actually supposed to be good for you. Yeah. Like just like enough that like, it helped you with, um, quote, unquote, ailments. Um, a lot of people think that, like, the uh, increase in iron um, in your system actually was able to uh, help regulate your uh, circulatory system with, like, the uh, introduction of more heme groups that were connected to the iron. Right. Yeah. There's no way to prove if, like, that was, like, the case from, like, just, like, the iron teapot itself. But they said people who drank from those pots actually felt, like, healthier, more rejuvenated. Well, I mean, I could see it because I, I just talked to my primary physician 
Uh, she's actually a nurse practitioner, but not your secondary, not the secondary. I never trust that guy. Um, <laughs> tertiary. No, 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 God, no. It's a guy in the street, like shilling, like snake water. <laughs> but we were talking about, like, we looked at my labs and thankfully most of my labs were perfect. Um, but she's like, yeah, your vitamin D is a little bit low, but everybody's as low nowadays. I don't know why. I don't know if it's diet or, you know, whatever, but she's like, you could definitely use some more iron. Mm. I was like, oh, okay. So, or, uh, sorry, anemia. <laughs> Yeah, not just vitamin like, D, but she said everybody's. Are you sure this was like secondary or tertiary? <laughs> maybe, maybe it was a second. No, the uh, the anemia and uh, low vitamin D is, is common with everybody. For saying like, this looks terrible. <laughs> like, oh, uh, what is a doctor? Oh, it's a drawing my third grader did. It's awful. Oh, and here's your labs. Please, doctor, no more shtick. <laughs> so what we're trying to say is that the tea tree is not to be confused with the source of the tea tree oil, which is Leptospermum scoparium. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other forms of tea known as herbal teas. They come from plants other than the Camellia sinensis. If the plant is not the Camellia sinensis, the drink is actually known as a, how do you say that, Charlie, Mr. Tea Expert? Tisane. Tisane. These may include teas with infusions of fruit or from steeping other parts of the plants, uh, such as the buds, flowers, or stems. So we would have specific teas that were actually wrapped up flower bulbs that would unfurl in a glass yeah, teapot. Yeah, the blooming flower mm-hmm. teas, I've seen those. And then uh, we also had the different type of uh, quote-unquote tea, like the rooibos. Mm-hmm. So the rooibos is Do you like rooibos? Uh, rooibos is okay. I mean, it's not amazing. I, I prefer like like a nice green or black tea or like a, like a jasmine tea or something. American. <sighs> rooibos is, it's very, if you haven't had it, I think I would say hearty. Does that make sense? Does that resonate with you? Hearty sound pretty good? Sure. I mean, it's a tea. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it has a, like a thick flavor, mm-hmm. but anyway, it, it, it coats the back of your mouth. Somewhat, barely sweet, just by yeah. itself, but yeah. thick. Yeah, like almost like like a medicinal quality for like the syrupiness, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not yeah, syrup, syrupy, like on a step towards syrup from water. Mm. Now, this is a great quote by Douglas Adams: "A cup of tea would restore my normality." Did not Mm-hmm. There you go. No, normal tea. Normal. Although I'm more of like a coffee drinker than tea. But a- anywho, anywho. Trader. Pro- <laughs> Trader Joe's. <laughs> processing of tea has taken centuries to master, and we probably still aren't finished toying with the process itself. Tea is normally processed as most crops around the summer months. Tea is hand-picked. Two leaves and a bud grow from the top of the plant. This is known as a flush. And these are produced every 7 to 15 days. Then the tea is dried in the sun for 15 to 20 minutes after the flushes are picked. This begins the process of breaking down the chlorophyll and desiccating the leaves, the process known as oxidation. The second withering step is air drying and stirring every two hours. The leaves are then tumbled in a drum, causing the leaves to bruise and tear, releasing juices inside. Delicious juices. Further desiccating them, as well as enriching the flavor and aroma, um, this accelerates the fermentation process. The leaves are then placed in a dryer to stop the oxidation process for 10 to 15 minutes. This step is called fixation as it fixes the current oxidation level from 8 to 85% oxidized. That's a really large range. Well, that's how you get the different colors of tea, white to to black. Now, the oxidation level is what determines the tea's taste, scent, and color. And the leaves are placed in a bag and rolled and kneaded to form a pellet. This intensifies the flavor of the tea. And this can be performed again and again up to 35 times. That's uh, got to be so annoying. I mean, like it's... Mushing it together like 34. 
35. Or was it 33? (laughs) (laughs) No! No! (laughs) One. (laughs) Two. (laughs) Now, the final step is known as firing. It undergoes three drying cycles at 100 degrees Celsius. This brings the moisture down to less than 5% for preservation. The tea process in this manner can be re-steeped up to five times. You know, I've wasted... A lot of tea in my life. If I that's think we all case. have. Like not thinking that like, oh, you can keep using. Well, because like a lot of people, it's like, you know, one time use, yeah. you know, hit it and quit it. Disposable. You know? Yeah. Hit it and quit it. Oh, Lord. Anyway. Yeah. We're talking about tea. <laughs> a quote from one of your favorite authors, Mr. Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you're given the choice between Armageddon or tea, you don't say what kind of tea. That's true. Now, that's, that reminds me of the cake or death. I still love that. Cake or cake death? Or death. Death. Wait, no, cake, cake. Well, we're all out of cake. <laughs> <laughs> now, tea has started two separate wars, at least, that we know of. Uh, of course, in America, we America. have the Boston Tea Party. When was that, Charlie? So, the Boston Tea Party was in 1773. <laughs> uh, never fails. Yep. After removing the taxation of tea from England, like we talked about, the British government enacted the Tea Act of 1773, which rekindled anger about a former act, the Townshend Act, that had been passed in 1767. Steeped in rage. Now, the Townshend Act taxed glass, lead, oil, paint, and paper, and of course, tea. The tax was repealed on all the other items, all the other commodities, except for tea, in 1770. Hmm. Now, in 1773, the British government attempted to create a monopoly for the British East India Company by reducing the tax that the company would pay for selling tea to the colonists. When the Tea Act was passed in 1773, the colonists felt it was a move by the British government to force the colonies to accept the crown's right to tax the colonies. This was kind of like a gateway tax, if you right. will. That like if, yeah, if they could do ta- uh, tea, like who knows what else they're going to be able to tax in the future because people are just going to roll over and just take it, right? Right. Yeah. Now, it was, in fact, only an attempt to save the British East India Company. Now, it wasn't essentially, you know, that nefarious of a plot by the British themselves. Right. They were not trying to do that. They were just trying to help out the this company that was very helpful to them as a nation. Mm-hmm. Now, the colonists, however, felt that this monopoly was undercutting the colony's merchants as well as imposing unfair taxes. Can you believe that a basically a single company was the difference between, like, keeping and losing America? That was a very big company. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you think about if, like, you know, hypothetically, if, like, the British held like on. Apple to, takes down America. Oh, no, no. No, if, like, the British held on to the colonies. Like, do you think uh, oh. the colonies would ever leave? Would we be speaking English? Like, would, yeah. If we stayed around for a long enough period of time, would we still be like speaking the Queen's English? Or do you think the eventuality would be we'd eventually become America no matter what? That's an interesting segue question. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. I don't know. But we did. And we are America. I guess that's an answer. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is. It's it's, a political answer. That's a very good question. We'll go back to that later. (laughs) America. America. No, I, I think it's an eventuality. I think we would have. We would have eventually broken off. I think if we waited until modern times, we might still, I mean, if we had held on that long, I mean, it, to me, it feels like nobody and myself included. We'd be more Canadian if anything else. (laughs) Myself included here though, nobody wants to sacrifice that much. Nobody's willing to die for what they believe in like they used to. So I don't know. Who knows what would happen? Mm -hmm. We, We value life a little bit more now, but we also aren't willing to sacrifice. So. 
I think it would have happened probably within a century of when it happened anyway, but mm-hmm. anyway, uh, this, of course, the colonies being resentful about the lack of taxes to the East India Company led to the infamous Boston Tea Party in 1773. The Sons of Liberty dressed as Native Americans. They boarded three ships from the East India Company and dumped 92,000 pounds of tea into the Boston Harbor. America. America. Now, for a doozy. You start this one off, Charlie. All right. In the early to mid-19th century, tea was exported from only China, and China did not trade or barter. They would only accept silver as payment. So this became a bottleneck for the tea industry. Tea had become so popular in England at the time that a large amount of silver was leaving the country to pay for Chinese tea. Now, if the majority of silver and gold that leaves a country, the majority of purchasing power that country loses, right? Right. It was a brilliant move by the Chinese to be like, oh, you want tea? Give me silver. Mm-hmm. What, what about grain? Nope. Yeah. What about, what about rice? Are you kidding me? We're China. So like the dangers in losing gold, similar to the Bretton Woods Agreement in which um, America was going to have the de facto standard for you know financial influence you know, internationally. And one of those caveats was the gold standard was going to, you know, be in place for America up until like, you know, the Nixon administration. Now, having as much gold and silver as possible in a country, right, is important for the country itself to maintain power. And China was very smart in order to realize that the more silver they acquire, the more advantageous they are in international trade if they were to pursue that option or become more powerful as, you know, a a lone nation, right? Yeah. The Brits, though, they didn't like this idea. Oh, no, of course they didn't. Um, Now, to offset this loss of silver, the government allowed opium to be grown in India, the British government, that is. And then somewhat hush-hush sold illegally in China in exchange for, you guessed it, silver. So you want to sell us tea for only silver? Okay, we'll sell you. We'll get you addicted to opium and only take o- silver for opium. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> in order I mean, to you maintain know, it's, their empire. It's like the most passive-aggressive war ever. <laughs> but over time, a large portion of the Chinese population did become, sadly, addicted to opium. And the Chinese government banned the sale of opium under threat of execution of future offenders after a seizure of 1,400 tons of opium from the British by the Chinese government. It's about a stick of fentanyl. Yeah. <laughs> Plus or minus. The British took this as an insult and dispatched the British Navy. Now, this led to an overwhelming defeat of the Chinese. Uh, this is why Hong Kong was under British rule until 1997 and even ended the era of dynasties in China. All that from tea. Yeah, that's sad. The dynasty fell hard. I mean, they had a good idea, but, you know, powers that be written. Now, it's time for some tantalizing truths about tea. Time to spill the tea. That, that one's pretty good. One Lipton, like, tea oh, I that down. <laughs> One Lipton Tea Factory in Dubai produces about 5 billion tea bags a year. That's just one factory in Dubai. That's a lot. Americans drink around 1.4 million pounds of tea by weight every day. The afternoon tea of England is served from 3 to 6. Any later and the tradition becomes high tea and more hearty food is offered. This may also be because afternoon tea often returns referred to as low tea, is served at a lower level table while high tea is served at a dinner table with a high back dining chairs. So just like the fanciness is basically just like 
how tall the chairs in the table Low are. Low tea or high tea? Low tea or high tea? Let's wait five minutes. It'll be high <laughs> tea. Tick, 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 tick. Okay, raise the chairs. <laughs> now, milk is poured into the cup first in English tea as a tradition that prevents the hot tea from breaking the cup of delicate china before modern cups were invented. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, uh, you gotta kind of buffer the heat from the tea. Mm-hmm. Tea comes in at a whopping 44 billion with a B dollars each year. That's expensive. Did you know root beer was actually originally called root tea? Uh, the name was changed because the first primary market was to coal miners who didn't really like the idea of buying tea. Is this a marketing strategy? It was. It would. It should be root tea because it's made from a, you know, root. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Also, bubble tea was created in Taiwan in the 1980s using black tea, tapioca pearls, honey, and condensed milk. Also... According to British Standards Institute, tea should be steeped for about six minutes. No more, no less. Mm-hmm. Tea is a good source of fluoride for strong teeth. It has a bioavailability of nearly 100%. So if your teeth are weak, drink more tea. Mm. Tea can taste different on planes. The boiling point of water is much lower due to the decreased air pressure, and that can affect tea flavor. Mm. Now, due to the high level of antioxidants in tea, the absorption of caffeine into the body is slowed, allowing for a more gradual increase in concentration, a longer lasting effect, and a greatly reduced chance of a caffeine crash. And about 85% of tea sold in the U.S. is sweet iced tea. America. America. There is a version of expensive tea similar to Kopi Luwak coffee, but instead of a cat, a panda is used. That's all I'm going to say about that. You figure it out. You go look up Kopi Luwak and you'll see what I'm talking about. Panda. If you don't know what it is. Panda. 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 <sighs> but the most expensive title of tea goes to Da Hong Pao tea, valued at a whopping $1.2 million per kilogram. It dates back to the Ming Dynasty and the plants last produced were, uh, that were true Da Hong Pao were produced or grown in 2005. So very hard to find nowadays. The price, by the way, is 30 times its weight in gold. Uh, each leaf would fetch around $1,400. It's really that good? For a leaf. It's just that rare. It's not made anymore. Not grown anymore. Hmm. Well, let's end with C.S. Lewis, British writer. You can never get a cup of tea large enough or a book long enough to suit me. Ah, tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's our short. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, we exist within the universe. And the universe exists within ourself. We're all the stuff of stars. So have a stellar day, everyone. And thanks for stopping by our corner of the cosmos. This has been the Mid-Flight Crisis Podcast. You can support important spaceship repairs and maintenance by subscribing to the Mid-Flight Crisis Patreon page. We'd love to hear your suggestions about the show and future topics, and we appreciate your support, ratings, and reviews. This endeavor isn't possible without amazing listeners like you. Thanks for sharing your space and time with us. We'll see you on our next adventure. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Drop us a line at intrepidtransfer at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>